Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Tony, it has been a hot minute since I've had you on the pod. In fact, I think it's been all the way back in March. How are you feeling, and how's everything been? Pretty good. Like you mentioned uh, beforehand, I think we were talking about the Syracuse men's basketball team potentially not making the tournament. So that must have been before the ACC tournament. Uh, we're talking about, gosh, I, so far back. J.J. Watt just signing with the Cardinals. That was a big news. It's been a while, so I'm, I'm happy to be back, buddy. Well, my favorite storyline from that episode that doesn't exist anymore, apparently. I covered this in my last spot. Uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, trade rumors galore during our time, and now I haven't heard from him in, it's been a good, like, four months. So that's been, yeah. a, that's been a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ever. I feel like once a week some little tidbit will pop out about, oh, maybe he'll go to the Eagles. You know, the Jets aren't totally sold on Zach Wilson yet or whatever. But, yeah, it seems like he's going to stay with the Texans for for sure. Well, to get started, congratulations, but you are the first of many NFL episodes I want to do. We've only done about a couple. In fact, I haven't done an NFL episode on this pod since the offseason. I think it was right after the draft. I did it with two of the frat guys from Delta Chi. But I want to get into some offseason talk with – or uh, some NFL talk with you, especially post-offseason because training camps have already started. We just had our first game, Steelers-Cowboys – First off, how how good does it feel to have football back? Because I feel like it has been a while since that last Super Bowl game, off-season talk. It, it feels finally good to have some NFL back in our lives. So good. And, I mean, I don't have HBO anymore, but I know Hard Knocks is out. Just to have it in the timeline, last night there were two football games on. Like, I didn't even watch Patriots and football Washington football team, but I was able to wake up this morning and see Mac Jones highlights. That alone is awesome, and I'm so excited. We only have three preseason game so it's going to speed up a little bit but i'm so excited that that we are finally able to ease back into football i am too i think the best part about this season in particular that there's a lot going for the nfl number one is that that extra 17th game is cr- critical on all parts and i want to get into that a little bit everything with how it affects the standings i think the teams this is a more wide open year than ever before because i think the chiefs have some red flags i think the nfc is totally wide open with some of the teams that we're going to talk about and lastly, we've got 28 straight weeks of football. I think it is good. I, uh, my last guest, we were talking about it. It just feels good to turn on NFL Network and have all the games cycling through for fantasy football. Just, just to watch the games with everybody. It really is good to have it back. We had our fantasy football draft. My buddy's back home. Uh, I, I, I saw a tweet from Scott Hansen about Red Zone. I'm just so excited to wake up on Sunday and have football. I'm pretty sure the London game is coming back. Like, there's going to be the 9.30 game. I'm so, so pumped for all of this. Yeah, it's going to be good. So I want to cover a couple of general NFL talking points first before I get into more team-based stuff because I really do want to get your opinions on this stuff, and they are pretty controversial. Um, the first one, this extra 17th game, obviously a big addition for both not only, I mean, the owners with the revenue, not only for the league having that extra week, but for the players. I mean, we've already seen a couple offseason injuries to start. There's questions about how will this affect certain teams who have that wear and tear. What are your thoughts on this 17th game, especially when it comes to how it affects this upcoming NFL season? I like it. I know they've been talking about it for quite a while, at least 17, 18 games, because what the, from a pure financial standpoint, you can just look at a preseason game and say, why would we have four preseason games and 16 regular season when I can make that much more game day money with a 17th game? Now, like the NFL is one of the most grueling sports. So, we, you know, you have to take that into consideration a little bit. And I know there's some teams like, gosh, I think the Indianapolis Colts who just lost Carson Wentz, their bye week isn't until week 14. That's still, you know, you still have, what couple couple of weeks after that and and that's 14 games so it's or i guess 13 games that's that's a lot but for the fan from a pure standpoint from a pure fan standpoint i'm so excited because like you said it was a 20 weeks of football that's absurd so that's I, i'm excited about it from that standpoint i think we will get into gosh I, you know if a team clinches a division in week 16 Maybe 17 and 18, a player doesn't play. Maybe, you know, some random game you're going to see a star not play because he has a nagging hamstring injury. So every little injury is going to compound. And towards the end of the year, you see guys getting injured at a 
higher pace, obviously, because those small, soft tissue ones linger a little bit more. Well, just um, look at the NBA with all those calf and uh, lower body injuries. I mean, the same thing happened there, too. Right. So, you know, that's something to take it. But, you know, we've never done 17 games. Maybe 17 really isn't that much a difference from 16 games. And then if, if you know, you do two to three years of this, and then they say, hey, let's just do 18 because what's one more? From a big picture perspective, it seems like the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is how it affects the standings, and for a bunch of reasons. The big one, I think the most underrated one, too, is hypothetically you're, I don't know, this has happened before even with a good team like the Saints. They, heading into week 15, they, you know, clinch the number one seed. Even if they lose both games, they're still like a, a first-round bye, and then they get swept the, fir- the next playoff game they play. There is a scenario in which that 17th game makes that even more frequent where a team takes their best players and doesn't let them play for two weeks and then they get a bye in the playoffs and then they go three weeks without playing competitive football and then that could happen. That's one scenario that I'm looking forward to. And then another one that you bring up, the who this season more than anything in particular is which team can last the longest. It's not about just beating your competition. It's about maintaining focus and really going through the process of just trying to get to the regular, end of the regular season before playoff season. Yeah, because it's it's far, you know, God willing, this the the with COVID that can slow down a little bit, and enough players get vaccinated to where it's really not a problem. But that's still an issue that's going to, I mean, at the very least, last the first couple of months of the season. Uh, so you have that. You then have last year was a complete, completely different year than than anybody's used to. So you're still coming out of that. Um, no, you know, there was no preseason last year. Everything was on Zoom. So what's it going to be like? Then you have people like Lamar Jackson who aren't going to be able to, pra- you know, practice face-to-face and see his teammates during practice because he didn't get the vaccine. So there's all these outside factors. Plus, you have a 17th game. You have an extra week and all that stuff. So, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it as, like, you know, it's going to be last man standing type deal. But... But, but you're right. Injuries at this point mean so much more. So you brought up a good point before we get into this team-based stuff. Let's get the elephant out of the room, the vaccine policy for the NFL. There's been a lot of debate both on, like on any, every side of the aisle as to what the NFL should do. And the policy they've stuck with is not require the vaccine, but put punishments on the team and give incentive for them to follow protocol. What, what are your thoughts on the policy itself? And do you think it's the right one for the NFL? Not in terms of a, do you think it's morally right or in terms of the NFL product and in terms of how it benefits or hurts teams? Yeah, I mean, the issue that, the, the first issue the NFL gets put into is they can't really mandate anything. So they can just highly suggest, and like you said, pretty much punish somebody uh, for not getting it. Um, I think if you're, I think, especially this, this training camp is going to be really interesting because and the preseason, because what if, if you're the 55th guy on a roster and you don't have a vaccine, is a coach going to look at you and say, well, I can get the 56th guy who's maybe a little less talented than you, but does have the vaccine. I don't have to worry about him coming in and out and not having to travel and all this different stuff. So, you know, that that may be the first indication of what's going on. You already see it with Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know Kirk Cousins has kind of held out uh, a little bit with that. But again, you know, you're, we went through the same thing last year, but the vaccine is available. So I think, I think the NFL did as much as they possibly could under kind of given like legally what they can do. But, I, you know, I like, like I said, I think everyone is going to end up being like, listen, I, I might as well get this because if not, I'm going to lose out on a paycheck. I'm going to lose out on, you know, if, if Lamar Jackson, God forbid, gets COVID in week 16, what's what's going to happen? Well, that's, and, that, and the scenario so that's what I keep thinking about the scenario that I'm looking forward to is how it affects the teams, because it's going to happen this season. It's going to be controversial as all hell with the um, with this idea of, I don't know, like a team, somebody gets COVID and there, there's the thing with like the forfeit rule. So I was trying to say is that what I'm looking forward to the most is how it affects the teams themselves. Because remember, there's like that rule where uh, it can lead to a forfeit of game or something along those lines. That's the one that concerns me. It's going to happen this year. I I know it's going to happen. And it's going to happen at a random time, like week six. I'm going to call it right now, like a week six through nine type thing. 
And there's going to be controversy. I mean, there already was to begin with. Like DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver. I remember he had a big complaint about it and almost considered retirement. There was that Minnesota, what was it, the assistant coach or defensive coordinator. He resigned because of the yeah. policy. Like, this is a hot topic issue for the NFL for sure. Yeah, well, you remember even last year when the Titans got caught kind of, you know, practicing outside and then a bunch of them got COVID and they had to switch around people's games and we were doing a Steelers game on a Tuesday night, not everything like that. Um, and, and people were mad at that. So I can't imagine, you know, oh, well, you know, Brown, the Browns are fully like they're at, to the point where it's not really an issue. So that's fine. But like, let's say the Vikings, that's just the one I'm going to keep using uh, because of Kirk Cousins. Mm. Let's say the Vikings, like you said, week, week eight, and they're already, you know, they're five and three, but we they go into week eight and they have to forfeit a game. If I'm an owner, I'm I'm gonna be livid. So maybe maybe it may come down it might just come down to the fact that the owners say, I need enough of you guys to get vaccinated so that this doesn't happen because then I'm gonna lose money, I'm gonna get mad, like the fans are gonna be mad regardless. Uh, but I'm not going to be on good terms with you guys. The one thing I am looking forward to, and this is the one thing I agree with the NFL before we move on, because I want to finally get to the team stuff here. But I do like how more like, except minus a couple exceptions, of the fans are basically full-blown back in. Like, yeah. a- allowing 100% attendance. I think that's honestly a good thing for the NFL, for that league. Just because I think... It really helps with these points, especially with that 17th game. The extra revenue not only helps the league itself, but it does help the players because they do get a, a fair amount of that salary. Are you in agreement with that policy too? Yeah. I Hey, like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a policymaker, but, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm so excited to see full stadiums. I know the Bills almost had to make, like, a special exemption just to get fans in for the playoffs. So even if everybody has to wear masks, that I'm totally fine with that. I think fans, after last year not being able to go uh, or being able to go in a very limited capacity, uh, like you said, NFL is more wide open than it's been in years. So there's going to be a lot of teams. I'm so excited for SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles to be filled for the Chargers. Whatever the Ravens Stadium is, or whatever the Raiders Stadium is called in Las Vegas, I'm so excited for that stuff to be filled. I'm excited to see a full dog pound for the Browns and all these, you know, <laughs> all the different. I'm excited to see the Jaguars back to full. All of them. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, and, yeah. I, and listen, if the NFL is, 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 is fine with that and, and the, the pandemic stays, I know that in, in various areas it is, you know, different. That's the diplomatic way that I can put that. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, but, you know, if the NFL says, listen, you were, we feel good enough and maybe it's mass, maybe it's no mass, whatever, um, then then I'm all for it. And I'm excited. Yeah, uh, real quick, I think the, a good note to put on, I just like that the NFL is doing their own thing, if that makes sense. Like they're, whether it goes well or not, that's a different story. But I do like how they, similar to the NBA, uh, they've really done their like, we are going to do this our way and whatever happens, we will deal with the consequence and adjust. Because the NFL yeah. did that last year with the adjustments. The NBA, in a different way, still was able to have their season with the adjustments. And I think that's a, a good step for both those leagues. And obviously it shows why they've been very successful this past couple of years. Um, right. Let's get into some football talk here. I want to start in the AFC North. We're going to do all the AFC teams first. Some big storylines. Let's start with your Cleveland Browns. Let's get this out of the way. Great season last year. Awesome game against the Steelers. Put up a dogfight against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You have a new defense this year. Odell Beckham is back. I have them as a dark horse contender right now. I did an AFC uh, over-unders pod, and they're kind of in like that four to five C-type range for me as an NFL team. Give the case to the fans out there for why you think that they are title contenders for this season. Yeah, so I – Oh, excuse me. I don't really think they'll win the Super Bowl this year, and I'm sure you're going to get annoyed with me throughout the season of me <laughs> saying that the Browns are going to win. Um, but I don't like. This is still the Ravens' division, and and you have to understand that you still have the Steelers that went 12 and four last year, regardless of everything that's going on with them. You still lost to the Chiefs, so and the Bills are better than you on paper. So I. I Third seed, fourth seed, that makes a lot of sense. 
you have one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in football. Pro Football Focus's top-rated guard in Wyatt Teller. Uh, Odell Beckham is back. You know, the defense is where you're going to run into problems again. But like you said, they spent their first and second round pick, if I remember correctly, on defensive players. Um, well, they also so spent I, big money this year on a defensive. Or was it defensive ends or was it pass rushers? It was one of those two. Well, I mean, they signed uh, Clowney, right? Uh, Clowney, which is, <laughs> you know, something I'm sure five years ago I would have been hyped. But, you know, it is what it is. So I, you know, it's it's not unrealistic to say, hey, the Browns can probably win the division or finish second as a top wildcard seed and make a solid run into the playoffs. They need to win that second game in in the, in the uh, divisional round. They need to do that for this to continue on. But that's, that's my take on the Browns. I, I, yet again, the AFC North is the seventh annual winner for me of the best division to watch in NFL sports right now, besides maybe the NFC East just because it's hilarious because you look at it right now, it's a Steelers team that overachieved last year but still has all of their core guys. It's a Browns team that I'd, I'd argue not overachieved but improved last season and is arguably better this year if they can get their chemistry and all the pieces fitting together. I think people are going to sweep on the Ravens just because of the Lamar Jackson back-and-forth debate on is he a top-five QB, is he, can he win you playoff games, blah, blah, blah. And the the fourth team in the division, Cincinnati, for as much as I think they're easily the worst team in this division, I don't know how Joe Burrow's going to come back. They're still a team that can steal a couple games from you that will determine if you're a three seed or you're a seven seed. Right. This division is hyper competitive for sure. Yeah, the, which which stinks because you have to play both team, uh, all three teams twice. So that's that's three or that's six pretty challenging games. And like you said, you know. Ravens or the Bengals went four eleven and one last year. It was mainly due to the offensive line. They didn't do really anything to boost the offensive line, but they gave Joe Burrow some targets. So maybe they're thinking, "Hey, we'll just throw the ball sixty five times, and it's going to be really quickly. That way, Joe Burrow doesn't have to get sacked." <laughs> well, well, uh, they did take uh, what was his name? Uh, yeah, Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, and we we had a we had a lot of people roast that pick uh, on my end. So <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I mean, they went with two wide receivers instead of instead of a tackle that I'm sure Joe Burrow would have and his healing ACL he would have loved up to have. <laughs> um, you're right. I think I I think when you just kind of objectively look at the division, you have the 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 Ravens debate with Lamar Jackson. You kind of push aside the Steelers, but I think the Browns need to realize that like the Steelers still had their number. This is still like. Ben Roethlisberger, for what it's worth, can still pull a good game out of out of him, even though I think he's much much worse than than even last year, which is which is saying a lot. Uh, and, and every single game is going to end up being a toss up, unfortunately, which is which is the thing. But if I if I didn't have a, a, a horse in this race, I would love to watch the AFC North, just objectively. And my fascinating team is the Steelers because I was doing, when I did the AFC over-unders line, I was trying to figure out what to do with them because the case for them was that they've never had a losing season in the 14 years Mike Tomlin's been a head coach. They struggled with injuries and a bunch of stuff. But on the flip side, though, I think they were like 9-2 and two or 8-4 and four in, uh, one, in one possession or less games, which can easily regress. They had a super easy schedule to start, which is why would they go like 11-0 or 12-0 and and then just flamed out and lost their last five games. And there's the Roethlisberger card, which is that he is, what, 38, 39? He's got to be. He's old, as, cool. he's old as dirt. Yeah, I, I mean, they go out and get Najee Harris, who could be a really, really good weapon. Obviously, he was a tank at Alabama, but... I, I think they're going to end up being the – they're going to go from first to third place in this division, and yeah. it's between the Ravens and the Browns. Yeah, and then the other – the one last note is that Roethlisberger not only had his worst career year in, what, 15 years last season, but we've seen this with the NFL. I'm no NFL expert myself, but I know that the best way to win a title with a NFL team is having a quarterback who can throw a lot. Because we've seen it. The, the days of running for 450 yards – and trying to pound the pound the ball inside and relying on guys who can't throw is gone. They're, the days of Cam Newton leading your team to a Super Bowl over. You need guys who can do both. You need Mahomes. You need unless you're Brady, 
the immobile quarterback who can't do anything outside the pocket days are over. And Roethlisberger might just be stuck in 2009 here. Yeah, and does he have enough – can he relax his ego enough to say, listen, we're probably going to be a run-first team? Can Juju Smith-Schuster – be and Chase Claypool be okay with getting less receptions and being blocking receivers while they hit because I in all honesty I really think this offense runs through Najee Harris and the running backs because like you said Ben Roethlisberger has nothing of an arm anymore and like Juju is not a number one wide receiver and I think we realize that so he's a very he's a, a fantastic wide receiver too when Antonio Brown was there he was elite but as a wide receiver one, when he's getting the top cornerbacks and double coverage, he's shown that he he can't be the same guy. Uh, let's move on to the next division here because I want to move through these AFC teams. Uh, AFC East, obviously my division. Start with the Bills here. Bills, fantastic season last year. Falls short, ultimately, of the title game. Josh Allen gets this massive extension. They retain their core. They add some key pieces, especially on defense, to try to shore up that. Are they the team to beat if it's not Kansas? Yes, I think it, the Bills are the second best team in the division and the, or in the a- AFC, and I think they can easily become the number number one team this year. I think maybe the Chiefs don't regress, but the Bills. How do you go thirteen and three and still have areas of, to improve? That's what the Bills essentially did, and you know, the issue again. We if we were talking about how good the AFC North is, the AFC East is going to be a really good division to watch. Can the Dolphins repeat a ten and six season? That was that, that was really really good. Uh, I have uh, <laughs> listen. They they proved in the last week that they don't belong in the playoffs. I remember that. What they built we got torched. We didn't get killed. Them. We got torched. <laughs> right. So they're not. It was clear that they're not there yet. But for this Dolphins team that a couple years ago was supposed to be you know tanking for Tua or you know all these different things, and they ended up with five wins. I love the coach. I don't believe in Tua, but maybe they're maybe they're better than ten and six. The Patriots are obviously going to be better than seven and nine. Everyone just recognizes that. The Jets are the Jets. This could either be a really really good. It's going to be horrible. The, the the line for them was hilarious. I'm like, it's it's an under. They're going to be horrible. <laughs> whatever, just whatever the line is, they have to be at like what it was, four. It was four and a, I think it was four and a half. Yeah, I take the under on that. I don't know how much faith you put in Nick Sirianni as the new head coach. Um, or Zach Wilson, who apparently had a horrible training camp the last two weeks, is what I've heard. Oh, really? He's apparent like like interceptions galore. He, he might be another. Uh, he might be like worser RG three. And I mean, oh. I, 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 he has ma- massive bust potential, especially on the Jets. He, he'll be Sam Darnold two point I'm going to call it right now. I'm saying I'm getting this on the record. <laughs> I didn't like Zach Wilson coming out of BYU. I'm sorry, Nick Sirianni is the Eagles head coach. Robert Sala. Is yeah, the- Sala. Yeah, yeah. Jets head coach. I think this is the Bills division, and I think they're easily going to win it. I hope they overtake that number one spot from Kansas City. I think the the other thing that we didn't bring up, but this ties in perfectly with this art, this talk, is that extra Week 17 game is against a non-division opponent. For the teams that have tough divisions, this is crucial. So in the AFC North, this is crucial and much more valuable than, say, if you're the Bills, your best competition is – what, a 500 Patriots team, a basically 500 Dolphins team, and a crap show Jets team. Right. That extra game doesn't matter to you, but if you're, let's say, the Steelers and Ravens battling out for a wild card position, that extra game for sure helps. I just, I, that's just a quick note. Going back to what you're saying, the, the, I love the Bills last season. They were fantastic. I love Josh Allen. I think... He's in the he, he has he's definitely gonna regress for sure. I don't think like much, but like maybe ninety five percent of himself, just because what he did last season was incredible. Mm-hmm. The Patriots scare me because they kind of, I, my my analogy for them was like the mid two thousands Knicks, where they spent a bunch of money on a bunch of veterans that weren't good anymore, and then they ended up being you know thirty two and fifty. I could see this Patriots team being eight and eight, or I guess nine and eight now, or eight and nine, but not doing much. The Dolphins card is intriguing, not just because I'm a, a Miami homer here, but. The case for them is very good. I mean, hey, young QB that showed promise before the flame out uh, last season. They go 10-6 and six in a pretty competitive AFC, and they beat a lot of good teams. They had some great matchups. But the flip side, though, they were 7-3 and three in games that were decided by one score or less. That can easily go back to 3-7 and seven or 4-whatever, and 4-6. and six. 
This is their third offensive coordinator in three years, which is a red flag for me. Anytime you have your rotating offensive coordinators like you are, like Cooks, like on a line, I get scared. And the Tua, the Tua question needs to be asked: is that it, can he be a, a number one guy? Because I would be crapping myself. I'm a Dolphins fan right now. Is if Tua can lead your team to a playoff, a, a playoff seed. Yeah, and there's no Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of like wild card to kind of dangle out outside. I. I mean, I like, well, and, and like, to say one more thing because I forgot about this when I did the other pod is that they didn't rely on a good offense last year either. They had a top ten defense and a top three special teams that got them points. That's not going to sustain in this NFL. So that's just another layer to add on that makes it even worse for them. Yeah, I think uh, what was it? They had I think they were the top team in takeaways last year. The Dolphins defense. Yep. So. Hey, listen, if Brian Flores wants to go with a, a defense first thing, it worked out kind of sort of for the Washington football team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just I, I I mean, gosh, I, I just watched every single every single time to would throw or scramble. And I'm like, man, I just don't I don't know if this is working. I don't know if this is working. And I'm really worried about that because I want the Dolphins to be good. They were bad for so long. and I want them to be good. But. Yeah, it, it, it's it's that's a scary team to watch out for, and that's also a team that I think can either go, I guess, with this new thing, eleven and six, or they can go six and eleven. Because I, I could see it either way. This could just totally blow up in their face, especially when you have the Bills in your division, and you got a you got really those wins last year were lucky against the Cardinals and the Ravens, just among others, where we could have lost those games and been not only a non playoff team, but been like more toward like the bottom middle than the top middle. And I think that's a that's a warning flag if you're a Dolphins fan. We can move on to the next division, AFC West. I think this is the most crapshoot division probably in the whole AFC. Because besides the Chiefs, you have a Colts team that overachieved last season and now you don't have a QB for God knows how long. They're they're, they're what's their six round pick that's getting the first team reps? Like God uh, It starts with an E like Ellen Whatever well, his no, name I'm is. sorry. That was he's getting first team reps, but Sam Ellinger is getting the reps. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. So there's that number one. There's uh the Vegas the loss or not the uh, Raiders. Pardon me. The uh oh yeah, no, my bad. There's uh, not the Chiefs. I was trying to say the Titans, not the Chiefs. The Titans, other than them, are the only good team in that division. After that, it's a Colts. That I don't know what's going to happen with them. The Texans are a, a like a house on fire right now. I don't know what's going. Bill O'Brien's grave. And ghosts are just haunting that place forever. Deshaun Watson looks unhappy. And Jacksonville, their line was huge. Their line was like five and a half wins or six wins. What is that team out of a sudden? Is Trevor Lawrence going to get them like to win an extra seven games by himself? And Urban Meyer, listen, minus, I, mean, I hate using NBA comparisons here, but there have been few college coaches who just go to a professional league and instantly turn their teams around. It has rarely happened before, and it's not going to happen in Jacksonville. Absolutely. And I guess to start where you left off, it for Urban Meyer, hey, if he had ping-ponged back and forth between the NFL and just kind of really settled in in college, it would have made a little bit more sense. He went from college to college, college, college. So he was a national champion in college. He's never had any NFL yeah. experience. You know who gives me the vibes? Was, uh, that Cavs coach you had for like 40 – was it ba- ba- John Bayline, whatever his name is? The Michigan guy. guy. That he – very much those vibes right now. I'm letting you know right now. Sorry. <laughs> wow. You know what? And like I'm an Ohio State fan, so I kind of want to see Urban Meyer succeed. Um, it's going to be really hard to go worse than 1-15. in 15. Yes. Um, that's going to be really, really hard. Uh, but – Listen, if the if the Jags go five and eleven, they have Trevor Lawrence. Just throw him out there. Listen, this is supposed to be the generational talent. This is supposed to be the top guy out of this draft of the last couple of years. Tank for Trevor, whatever, whatever. I remember Jets fans being so sad when they won towards the end of the season because they knew they weren't going to get Trevor Lawrence. So throw him out there. If he breaks Peyton Manning's interceptions record in a season, <laughs> who cares? Like, let him learn and go through. Yeah. That's the only way that you're going to go about this. I don't know what's particularly wrong about the Jags, other than I'm sure they just don't have any talent, per se. But I just throw Tra- throw uh, Trevor Lawrence out there, have Travis NTM play a little bit. That, that's literally all I have on the Jags. Like, just yeah. just win win five games, yeah. and you'll be fine. Go 4-13 go for for us. It's okay. Right. <laughs> 
Right. We're not expecting much. You're going to get a high draft pick. Spend that on a lineman, or if your defense is really that bad of an issue next year, and just and just move forward and keep Urban Meyer. Don't blow it. Don't blow everything up. You're going to be bad this year, but just show signs of improvement towards you know that AFC uh, AFC conference game that they won. Yeah, yeah. Steelers. So. So the only reason I like this division a lot, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think it's the worst out of all of them, but for the AFC South, I bring it up because of the Titans. I think the Titans are the team to stay away from next year when it comes to Super Bowl betting. You're banking on Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has led the league in, in uh, carries the last two seasons and, like by a wide margin. So you're asking him to do it a third straight year. The wear and tear is going to happen. They were a bottom 10 defense last year, and they have a new, new and improved defense that we have no idea what's going to happen. And they're definitely going to have an inflated record because they've got Jacksonville and uh, and the Texans in their division right now. And a Colts team who is supposed to be the second best team that doesn't even know who their QB is. And I'm not even sure Wentz is that guy. I think in terms of all of the sleeper contenders slash uh, Super Bowl dreamists out there, they're probably the most downside team to pick right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans have a really good record going into the last few oh, weeks. Oh, for sure. They're the team that's going to go 12-4 and four and lose in round one. I'm calling Or right. 12-5 and five or 13-4. and four. I'm calling right now. It sounds so dumb, but it's going to happen. I know it. Which is unfortunate because... Like, listen, they built something that works there. Like, they have a solid defense. They have Derrick Henry. And they're like, listen, we don't need this generational quarterback. We don't need Trevor Lawrence. Just get us Ryan Tannehill. And now they're paying Ryan Tannehill $100 million. So there's things on that team that work, and they they're like they're a good team. There's a reason they won 11 games last year, but like you said, they're going to have the Texans to beat up on. They're going to have the Jags to beat up on. I wanted the Colts to win this division so darn bad, but again, like you said, I don't know if Carson Wentz is a guy. You're not going to run with Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. At quarterback, they so, they could be a Minshew team. High key, you know, some Minshew action in uh, Indianapolis, Help, oh. helping some division opponents out. <laughs> there you go. So I unfortunately, by kind of just by process of elimination, you're going to have to say that the Titans win this one and then just get bounced and you know lucky for the wild card team that gets to play them in the first round. Uh, the last division in the AFC that should be talked about, obviously, is the AFC West. We got the Chiefs here. Easily probably the favorites coming out of the AFC. They've got some 99 Jordan or 93 Jordan Bulls uh, regression potential. I could see them instead of going 15 and 2 going 12 and 5 just because they're in the be the second seed, get to the playoffs, go from there. I could also see them just dominating everybody. They have a great offense. The offensive line is new and improved. Like new, new and improved. Like they spent every asset known to man on either trading or signing for a bunch of offensive linemen to protect Mahomes. Uh, and we don't have much to dispute there. What's interesting to me, though, is the other three teams. Because when I was doing the AFC Lions pod, the Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos were all like basically neck and neck for each other. It was like Raiders 7.5, Denver 8.5, and, and then the Chargers like 9.5. Or so whatever. It was like somewhere like that. This has the mo- This division has the most variance out of any division in the AFC right now. Yeah, I, behind the Chiefs. And like I just looked. The Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick, but they went center and then defensive end. In, in the second and fourth round. So they're like, fine, totally set, whatever. Um, with the, the thing with the Chiefs is at this point, you're, this is now the third year of them being, you know, undisputedly one of the top teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL. So you're going to get your best every single week. I have zero clue what's going on with the Raiders. I hope that Justin Herbert does well, but you always, people are going to figure him out. Sophomore slump is a real thing. Um, I, it, I, I don't. I just. I don't really know what's going on over there. I, I'm excited to see the stadium full, but that's about it. Um, and then the, the Broncos are the Broncos. I, I don't know. They might get the first pick this year. Well, I mean, it's a Drew Lock Teddy Bridgewater battle of the Titans out there to uh, see who's going to start. That'll be an interesting one, right? <laughs> They really have. Oh my gosh, I must have missed that. Bridgewater's in Denver right now. Yeah, Br- Bridgewater's my Joe Flacco winner of like. Wait, that QB's on that team award. He, he oh. definitely. <laughs> That's a good award, by the way. The like, Joe Flacco yeah, award, the winner of. Wait, this QB's on this roster. <laughs> yeah, like midway through, like week twelve. Once we get an injury or somebody gets out, and all of a sudden some rando pops, like Deshaun Kaiser pops up playing for the Colts. You're like, oh my god. 
I remember this that guy. Give the award to that guy. But yeah, this is the Chiefs <laughs> running away. Um, who? You know that'll happen. That'll happen three years from now with Danucci. We're gonna be like Danucci. He's he's back. Yes. Oh, a thousand percent. Ben Danucci <laughs> will be the starting quarterback of the Steelers Week Five. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Like everyone gets the everyone. The Chiefs get the the best game from everybody, and then every other team is going to be between what four and eight wins and it's just going to be really weird but again maybe that inflates the chief's ego and they start resting people we'll see let's get to the nfc now we're about halfway done with this pod interesting division starting out west we have the seahawks the rams the cardinals and the 49ers this is a juggernaut right here we are talking about a 49ers team that still went pretty deep that still was pretty decent last year even though everybody got injured i'm pretty sure every running back they ever signed got injured on that team i'm not even kidding they were they were playing like quarterbacks at the running back because they ran out of running backs the rams who are my underrated contender this year because of the matthew stafford's uh trade i i love matthew stafford dark horse mvp is i'm hammering that home right now as like a plus 1000 or whatever it's gonna be the Seahawks still have Wilson and have a new offense with their new coordinator, and the Cardinals are eight and eight last season, and they've they're going to shore up some of their weaknesses. Is this the most fascinating division in football as of now? I think so. I think this is the best division. You you said the AFC North you want to watch the most. I want to watch the NFC West the most. Unfortunately, the AFC North is paired with the NFC West, so their <laughs> games and like the Browns extra game is the Cardinals, which whatever it's great Um, (laughs) totally great um i think the seahawks recognize that they're not the legion of boom anymore and it's been really interesting to watch this team evolve from that that team that super bowl team and then they didn't really rebuild they just kept winning like enough and then i think they kind of realized like okay we need to kind of we need to switch things up. Like, we went 12-4, and four, but if we really want to win the Super Bowl or make it to the Super Bowl, we need to go, you know, 13-4, and 12-5, whatever it is. But we need to we need to have a better, more well-rounded team. I thought it was really good. Yeah, uh, I think it's so funny. They're 7-1 at home last year and 5-3 and three on the road. It just, with fans, you're going to win almost every game in Seattle. Um, I think they, again... We run into the issue of they have to play a really, really hard division. I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan to at least get the 49ers team back to 500. Um, I don't know what the Cardinals are about to be. They, they're, they've just, they're, they're just whole aura is very odd. I guess we're going to find out. If week 10, they're at 500, they can become a really, they'll become a wild card contender. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get down the stretch and every single team is vying for a playoff spot. This team's or this division is also fascinating because they have the most questions probably coming out of it. Because all four of these teams, you can argue, could make the playoffs. But the 49ers just lost their best offensive and defensive coach because they went uh, their separate ways. And they're coming off a bunch of injuries. The Cardinals, we loved their signings at the time, but then... You realize that JJ Watts, what, 32, AJ Green is 31 or 32. All of their some of their best guys are in their mid-30s. They could be regression candidates. Um the Rams, they just lost came uh, was it Cam Ackers, their best running back to an injury. Yep. And now they're really big on Stafford. Now the question for Stafford is can he be the best guy on a title team? Which in Detroit it was no, but he didn't have a good team around him. So now with a good defense and a good running game, is he the guy? And even the Seahawks, who have been the model of consistency in terms of being between nine and seven and twelve and four the last couple of years, are they no more than that? Are they just a good, good regular season, horrible postseason team? Especially when, outside of Wilson and maybe Metcalf when he has his head on straight, they don't really have a great roster, and that defense has been atrocious the past couple of years. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're really, really going to see if Matthew Stafford. Uh, is that number one pick that he was in 2009. Like I, Now it's commonplace for quarterbacks to get these extensions that are 40-plus million dollars. Stafford was like one of the first a couple of years back. He was kind of the big $400 million-plus sign. The, the, the Lions understood that, that he, was, he was the guy, but then they also understood that they, they're, they're rebuilding, so they need to get him out of town. 
And I, for the record, I've I've been on the. This has been a great. This is a great trade for the Rams. I, I'm on the stand right now. This could really. This could maybe their win to be a title team. And and like you said, you know, there's there's no more Cam Akers. Uh, I don't know who the back. I know Daryl Henderson Jr. has been a pretty solid backup running back for them, um, but. I, I have a lot of faith that Stafford can take over, but it's gonna it's all the pressure on him now, and I just I it's that's very flimsy, and I can see the Rams kind of sliding off into a five hundred team. Well, and in the case of Stafford, real quick, there's a, there's two sides to this coin. So on the one hand, he plays in a tough division at least before that featured the Packers and the Bears. To, yeah. like, so basically, them two and the Lions were always fighting amongst each other. And the Vikings, even a couple years, were pretty good. On the other hand, if you look at it, though, his teams had bottom five defenses, what, like, like every year but one year when he was on the team. So he had no help from that end. And other than Calvin Johnson, he really didn't have any good weapons, like good, good, like elite-type weapons on offense. You put a team around him, there's a universe where they go 13-4 and four and, you know, make it to the conference game, or they lose and they don't even make the playoffs. They go 9-8. and eight. I could see either either side here is, is very probable. Right, which is why I'm really excited to watch this division, because I think you can say that for every single team. I think it's, it's like I said, it's the, St- it's the Seahawks division, has been for quite a while, uh, save the one year with the Rams, but... Any any team in this division, I, I I would not be surprised if we're talking week 16, 17, 18. Oh yeah, they're in first place. Oh, uh, let's move on to the next division here. We have the NFC South. Obviously, a couple of really notable teams: the Saints, end of the Drew Brees era, starting their own thing. The Bucks, can they repeat as champions? Something that has what well, it's never it's never been done before. What since oh three and oh four with the Pats, and uh, ironically still with Tom Brady. The Panthers, God knows what's going to happen there. And then the Falcons, also God knows what's going to happen there. It seems like this is another team where uh, we know what's going to happen. It's probably going to be Bucks, then Saints, and then after that's a, car, uh, a, uh, a Panthers versus Falcons, like who races to be not last place. Are, is there any downside on the Bucks not winning this year? Like, is there, they're, they're a team to me that's got very big regression potential. Yeah, I, I think the, the what I – why I'm going to say that the Bucks are going to win this division is that they built a team around Tom Brady that works regardless of how he does. Tom Brady at his absolute worst is still like an average NFL quarterback at this point. Now, listen, I think we talk every single, like it's a storyline every single preseason is this Tom Brady's year that he falls off the cliff. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've had this, is, we've been like in sixth grade and we've had that discussion ever right. since. <laughs> He's 40-something years old, blah, blah, blah. This is whatever. You know, Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians, whatever. I, It worked. They won the darn Super Bowl last year. They they took down the Chiefs, the juggernaut Chiefs. They went 11-5. And, and the Panther the, – and the, and the Saints are going to be worse. So maybe you don't have that, that little rivalry right there that they had. I just don't see the Saints under the – you know, under the helm of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill really doing much. Michael Thomas seems like he wants to get out of town. The Panthers and Falcons aren't ready to make a move for first place. Well, so. no, but Sam Darnold's the GOAT, though. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of upside. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know, man. What, what's, a worse, what's a worse situation, Carolina with Sam Darnold or the Saints with uh, – with a wide receiver and then another potential wide receiver, because I mean Deshaun Watson, I don't Deshaun. Or what's his not? Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Jameis Winston. Dear God, uh, no. <laughs> that, that's not a good. That's not a good lineup there. Yeah, I. I mean, listen. What, what's the old? What's the old saying? If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah. At least it's fun <laughs> to watch Taysom Hill sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, Sam Darnold is just is just not good. I just. I don't know if the Panthers were just trying to do a stopgap and they think they're going to be worse this year or if they really think there's something in him that the Jets just didn't uh, utilize that, that, that can make him a better quarterback than he was. It just, I'm, I'm worried for the Panthers that they'll just get caught, caught in this cog of like five to seven wins and just not go anywhere for a really long time. It's, it's, it's purgatory season there for, uh, for Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a terrible spot to be in. I mean, listen. As much as like we talk about the Browns being like, you know, three and thirteen to five yep. and eleven, 
being just good enough to not get a top 10 pick is excruciatingly painful. Yeah. Well, it's painful either way. I mean, I, I mean, as an NBA fan, I've always been on the side, hey, it's either you go all in or nothing, but you don't do these trade this guy to go 30 and 52. Because at that right. point, you're going to be, what, the 10th pick in the draft, and you got nothing. And you're still not making the playoffs. You're not even making the playing game. So I've always been on that side of it for sure. Right. Um, NFC North, another interesting division. Um, there's this interesting debate out with the Bears. You've got Nick Foles, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, uh, the three-headed monster out there. Uh, you've got Green Bay with, I think they're a sneaky Super Bowl contender as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded to the Dolphins midseason, which I am not holding out. The Lions, I think they're just in pure tank mode. Like, who cares about them? And then the Vikings, a frisky team that can either go 7-10 and or go 11-7, and or 11-6, and I guess. They're they're a wild card. This 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 division is a squad for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is this is still Aaron Rodgers' division. I think he's going to beat up on the Vikings and Lions. I'm excited to watch Justin Fields with the Bears. I'm going to pretend that I don't have any Ohio State bias. Oh well, I, I in the draft when I did that pod with those two guys, I we loved the pick. We thought it was a fantastic oh, yeah. pick for them. Yeah, and this what they get him at fourteen or something like, yeah, like that. Like sixteen, it was like sixteen or fourteen or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, it was eleven. Wow. Okay, that was even better. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Listen, if that's a guy, if Matt Nagy can can really work him into this Bears team, they were mind you, they went eight and eight, and they're transitioning to a new quarterback. That can be really, really exciting. Like that, can, we already have this base of eight and eight. I don't believe much of the team changed around the Bears. So now you have a brand new quarterback, and you have Andy Dalton, who just in case Justin Fields isn't as good as quickly as they would hope, you can still put in Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton is this nice little stopgap that you have. It's not like you're yeah. throwing up a random practice squad quarterback behind Justin Fields. Well, and the Bears are the ultimate 500 team ever. They have been 500 for like the last like four years, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. And, and so so from a in a quarterback room, you're able to say, Fields, go out there and learn. But if you're not really learning at the rate that we would like you, we're going to put Andy Dalton in and we can still go 500. And they were in the playoffs last year, so... Not for very long. But they, <laughs> they, they were in the playoffs. Mitch Trubisky uh, uh, was it was Trubisky was playing that game right against the Saints. Yeah, in the uh, Nickelodeon game. Yeah, and well, it was like ten six or thirteen seven or whatever the score was. It was like the worst offensive game I've ever seen. <laughs> still play, it was still playoffs. It was a playoff game. To be hey, playoffs are always fun, even if it was Saints Bears and they were all decapitated. Um, right. What another elephant in the room? Aaron Rodgers. Do, Let's get the, let's get our, your thoughts. Is he a Green Bay Packer by the end of this year? Yes, I think if he wasn't going to be, he already would have been traded. I don't I don't really see why he comes back. Ask for Randall Cobb to come. Ask for the Packers to sign Randall Cobb. Ask for you know this whole new structure thing. But I do think this is, if not his last year, his second to last year in Green Bay. I think it's more likely that this is it for Green Bay. But I bet on Aaron Rodgers to do well last year, not monetarily, just kind of, hey, I'm, I I think that with a vengeance, Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and he won the MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that acts out of spite and he'll do well in spite of the Packers. Yeah, no, he, he's got an ego, but like the good ego. Like he's got the competitive, I'm still going to go and give 150% every night, which is nice. Now, what were your thoughts on the Jordan Love pick? Because they obviously, we think Aaron Rodgers is the star. And then what is it, in the fourth round or third round, they take this QB out of nowhere. And then we think they're going to trade him. They don't. Like, has the situation finally simmered down? Do, are we just going on, we're just going to go on the assumption that Aaron Rodgers will start every game and play or if this QB pops off do they trade him like what what's the most realistic yeah. scenario here well love was a love was a first round pick he was a first round pick. okay my, my apologies yeah. um and it was it was really reminiscent of when they had Brett Favre still on contract for four years they drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round the difference uh between those two scenarios was Aaron Rodgers fell to them no one really thought that Aaron Rodgers would be there at the 20th pick. Uh, last year, two years ago, 
the Packers traded up to get uh, Jordan Love. From Aaron Rodgers' standpoint, I understand it. I understand that, uh, but I also understand that, like, you need to know that you're in the NFL and that, like, what age you're at, what contract you're at. I don't know. I don't think Jordan Love was active for any games last year. He definitely he didn't get in at all. No. So I don't know if the Packers really want to trade away Aaron Rodgers to kind of throw Jordan Love in, but because he was like a project coming out of Utah State, so I don't think it's going to be that much. I think that storyline kind of kind of fell by the wayside once Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, but. I, I mean, y- y- you know, if Aaron Rodgers comes out and isn't peak Aaron Rodgers or throws a couple interceptions in the first few weeks, you know, people are going to start whispering about Jordan Love. Yeah, that's a narrative to watch for, for sure. Last division here, the NFC East, which is always my favorite division to watch just because I don't know what the hell is going to go on there. It's the battle between who can be 10 and 6 versus 9 and 7 versus 8 and 8 versus 7 and 9 every year for the last decade. I don't even know what I, I if you had to a gut feeling like no research whatsoever rank the teams in order from best to worst in terms of like who's most likely to make the playoffs out of this division. I'd say Washington is still your number one team. Okay, and then it's Cowboys, and then probably Giants, Eagles. So I think the unanimous consensus is that Eagles are probably last, just because they've yeah. got thirty four million in dead money for uh, the Fultz or uh, not. Wow, well, Marco Fultz. I keep thinking of Philly uh, in the. Uh, in the what's wow uh, the Carson Wentz trade, pardon me. Yeah. So now the question is between Washington, New York, and Dallas. Who's got the most upside? The Dallas line is overrated as all hell, of course, which is why I took the under on that one. Just because the Dak Prescott injury was scary. I- I'm sorry, but that type of injury is is pretty gruesome. And even when he was playing, what were they one in four or one in three? When yeah. right before he got injured, they were never good. I've never been a Daniel Jones fan. I don't know. I don't think he could be a starting QB on a team. And I, I, it's got to be the Washington football team of all teams. You know, you're kind of your shoe in to be the division winner, right? Yeah. I. You know, the issue is, like, who's – is it? Are, are, is Washington really rolling with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, at quarterback? Who? Is it going to be between him and Tyler Heineke? See, I, I like Heineke. I want some Heineke action up in here. <laughs> like, I, I mean, me too for the theater of it, but – I just, I don't know. Like, is Fitzpatrick. Is it, this division has the worst QBs in it for sure, right? It's Dak Prescott coming off an injury. It's Daniel Jones. It's Fitzpatrick or Heineke. And then Hurts. Uh, it's the worst. Jalen Hurts, yeah. yes. Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. Yes. Yeah, and Joe Flacco. I forgot he's on that team. Good stuff. Right. The Joe Flacco. <laughs> the Joe Flacco award is going to Joe Flacco this year. <laughs> right. So, I, like, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They have an absurd defensive line. How many games can your defense win you? I know they have a few, they have Terry McLaurin. They have a couple of weapons on offense. Uh, they have, they have a really good running back. I can't remember his name, but he's, uh, he's, he's pretty solid. He's like a good fantasy PPR pick. So they have weapons. I just like, are the, are the Washington football team? Are they really going to, can can you win the division? with a losing record for the second straight year. Can that be something that can be done again? Yeah, the, the, it's a rough the one. The downside with that is, like, if you don't pick Washington, are the Cowboys really going to be good enough? The Giants aren't going to be good enough. The Eagles aren't going to be good enough. So I can I can easily see a scenario where the where the Cowboys win the division with a winning record, but I, I just every team you just throw up your hands and go, I don't know what the plan with this team is. Well, especially with Dallas, where their biggest weaknesses were defense, and I don't think they did much to improve that. And again, you're coming, you're banking on Ezekiel Elliott having a bounce back season and Dyke Praska returning to MVP form after the injury. The Giants are really banking on a Saquon return and a Daniel Jones resurgence. And if you're Washington, is is the difference between Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Alex Smith? Aren't they? They're all kind of that same tier of like floor raisers, but not ceiling raiser type quarterbacks. It really is a division of questions here. Yeah, I'm going through um, Dallas's draft picks, and their first four selections through the first three rounds were all defense, and then they went tackle. So they were like, "Hey, we have a, a glaring need here." Yeah, at least they at least they they understand. I feel like they've had a horrible defense like ever since I've been alive. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, and listen, 
I think Mike, Micah Parsons, uh, their first-round pick, is going to be an absurdly good linebacker. I loved him at Penn State. I would have loved him on the Browns had the Browns had a top pick. Um, but y- you're going to be super young. And is uh, – oh, what's the head coach's name down there? But is he really going to – like, is he gone – the thing with him – with the Packers towards the end was the NFL passed him by. Oh, what's his name? McLore, uh, McF- uh, not McFlores. Oh my God. I'm blank. I know what you're talking about too. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I can't, <laughs> it'll, it'll come to me, but it, has the NFL truly passed him by or is Dak Prescott going to be anywhere near sentient? So I, I'm very interested to see that. Yeah. I, it's it's gonna be a crapshoot again, like you said. That, that's that that'll be a fun division to watch. That's that's gonna be a, that's a, that's a bloodbath, but for all the wrong reasons. Right. <laughs> um. Right. So we went through all the NFL teams. So that's all the NFL stuff I want to talk about. We've got about ten minutes left, though. I want to get your Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers takes here because done a lot of off season stuff here, and if you thought you were skating by without some NBA content, you were wrong. Uh. What's what's so some... talk about the Cavs? <laughs> hey, I won't I won't roast you totally. So number one. Uh, it was a rumor that popped up. Uh, Ev- obviously, you guys took Evan Mobley, third overall pick. Very good young guy to USC. Great NCAA tournament, blah, blah, blah. Number one, would you have kept the pick at number three or traded down? And number two, there was a rumor out there that you could have had SGA and the sixth pick for the third pick. Would you have done that trade if you're Cleveland? Uh, mm, I, listen, I, I know the uh, the talent drops off super, super quickly. Uh, so I was fine with keeping the third pick. I, I was, I was too. I was, yeah. Two. One six, Josh Giddy. So I, I've heard both, both sides of Josh Giddy. I know, like I would have been fine with Jalen Suggs, but I don't know if the magic were really looking to trade up. Um, I thought, I, just, I thought they were, I think they got lucky with uh, getting Suggs at five. They got so lucky. Yeah, so I would have been fine trading down if they knew they were going to get Suggs uh, because I think that the Cavs need another guard. The Cavs are totally fine with their front court. I just don't agree with that. Um, Shy Gildas Alexander, it was, will kind of just be another, like, I, I know he's good. I know he yeah, can yeah. be really, really talented, but I just like, this is a team that's trying to go from, gosh, I don't even know. Like, okay. They had the third overall pick. We're trying to get to at least a playing game or that playing turn. Yeah, like that, that's a fun that's one. Cool. What did what did Jared Allen say? Like, oh, in two to three years, if we play really, really well, we'll be a five seed. What kind of ceiling is that? That's terrible. <laughs> that's that's very Detroit Pistons, uh, New York Pelicans mentality. There, <laughs> I, I looked through my phone. I saw that because I'm like, why did we just sign him to a hundred million dollars? Yeah, why so let's do that. Can can you explain the lot? Who was giving Jared Allen a hundred million? Like, if you can name the team that was going to give him a hundred million, I will donate all the rights of this podcast to you. Give you full name recognition because who who seriously had the cap space besides the Knicks and the Spurs to say Jared Allen? You've done nothing in your career. Here's twenty million dollars for five years. Like even even for four years, it would have been better. Why the fifth year? Nobody's giving him five years a hundred million. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if the Cavs because they made him a restricted free agent. So I don't know if the Cavs had like a tip. Like if if uh, oh. Brian Windhorst was like, "Hey, by the way, the Knicks are actually going to give him a fifth year." It if this doesn't turn into the Kevin Love contract, I'll be fine. I really, really like Jared Allen. I was really excited when I heard that they were intending on keeping him, and then I saw the number. Like if you can manage twenty million a year for Jared Allen and you don't hamstring yourself financially for the, over the next five years, Jeez. I'm totally fine with the contract. If 20 million a year becomes difficult and Jared Allen doesn't become this really good piece next to Evan Mobley in the front court, he, like I'm just going to throw up my hands and that general manager, yeah, that general manager should be fired. Colby Altman should probably be fired over a contract like that. Well, I think he, he should have been fired the moment he gave the Kevin Love extension. Where was a 32-year-old Kevin Love who was not even the fourth best player on his team that 2018 season? Where was in the what world would he be Minnesota Kevin Love again? Yeah, I I keep going back and forth on that with my friends. They're like Listen, the contract was like a thank you for staying with LeBron and not But trading. but but 30 million for 4 years is not a thank you. That's like more of like a retirement home. I know, and that's it's a, the biggest it's like 
I, I can't really come. There's, there's analogies to be made, but it's you're in the midst of a rebuild, but then there's just this one holdout and it's an insanely expensive holdout that at this point you can't even buy out because it'd be more profitable to just keep them on the team. And I, and I make the case that I, I'm making the case right now on the record. Cleveland is the worst team to be a re like it's the worst rebuilding situation probably in the league right now, without a doubt. They have no additional assets. Larry Nance, who was your best player last season, who was a veteran that could have helped a playoff team. You did not trade him at all, so he's still on the roster. With, by the way, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and you still have Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Darius Garland is easily a, a promising young guard, but you still have Colin Sexton, who, by the way, is going to want a max and is not deserving of one. But you're, Cleveland's going to give him it because it's, it's Cleveland. Oh, please don't say. No. You're, just, we need to trade him. But yeah, it, I, it's just I, – I don't get what the mentality is because as you're putting it, you don't want to put yourself in a financial constraint for a team that won't be better than the 11 seed. This roster is not better than 11. If you look at the NBA right now, and now you're going to pay Colin Sexton $28 million a year for five years, and then pay the next year Darius Garland, who as much as I love the kid, I still need another year to be like, hey, is this really a guy? Like now you've tied in $100 million or $120 million to Allen, Garland, Love, and Sexton. And by the way, Okoro can't, hasn't shot a three-pointer in about three years. And he hasn't even been in the league for three years. Right. So I think, like, the the kind of talk around, like, when you listen to local sports talk and you read local news stuff around here is, like, the Cavs think they're a lot better than their record is and that they really believe in their front court. They really believe well, in Garland and Sexton. La- I mean, last, last season they were – they were what five hundred or slightly below five hundred, but it was all luck, right? It was all luck. So I mean, yeah, I mean, the peak of the season last year was the back to back beating the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> Apex Mountain right there for the for the uh, the Cavs, <laughs> right? So I think when you look the, the Cavs, see, I like I, I wish I had a crystal ball into the conversation because I think what they see is that five hundred team. That, like you said, maybe maybe players are playing above their pay grade. Maybe we're falling into a little bit of luck here. But what the outside sees is two straight years where you lost an asinine amount of games. Like we, okay, you, I, I think it was like we lost nineteen of the last twenty-two games. Oh, oh, oh yeah, with, with Andre Andre Drummond season, baby. I forgot about yeah. that. Can we talk about y'all at Drummond for a minute? <laughs> Can we not? <laughs> And it's 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 in, it's entirely too fr- it's so frustrating because when the Cavs are good, the city absolutely loves it. Oh yeah! Like it's not just LeBron. It, it obviously you know when there's a Cavs team that's good with LeBron, people love it. When the Cavs are vying for an eight seed, I remember uh, when Mike Brown was the coach, and they were, gosh, I think they finished like a game and a half out of the eight seed. They were packing the queue. We were really excited for the team, but. For some unknown reason, the Cavs just think that they're so much better than their record shows. If they don't win a good amount of games this year, if they're not in the playoff hunt, if they don't finish as the 10 seed or as the 11 seed this year, there's going to be some really, really serious questions about what's going on up there. Well, and to put it, the other issue is that they've not only put the Allen contract, which is, I think, I would argue that besides DeMar DeRozan, the Allen contract was the worst sign in this offseason. But... You've locked yourself into this core that's no better than a playing game team. And for what? Because you never improve the roster. That's the thing is that they put all this money in a team that's still the same. So the only way they're banking on anything happening is Darius Garland takes a leap. Jared Allen becomes an all-star. Um, Kevin Love revives himself with some magical uh, potion that can get him more trade value. Sexton averages 28 points and you trade him for something. It's a, it's an un it's an unrealistic universe for Cleveland. Yeah, I, I think I I don't know. It's we, bad. It's bad. <laughs> we should have traded. Kev- I mean, there's so many like coulda woulda shoulda things that like we should have traded Kevin Love two years ago. We should have traded Colin Sexton at the trade deadline. We should have I don't know not drafted guard guard like the same basically the same guard two years in a row. We shouldn't have given. 
Jared Allen a hundred million or something. And, and to, to pause, I, Cleveland got lucky. Imagine, imagine if Jalen Green fell to Cleveland at three. Like imagine if Evan Moby went two, and now you had Garland, Sexton, and Jalen Green on the same team. Like that would have been a, a cluster F. I would, yeah, that would have that, that would have been, been a squad. Was, like, I like the initial. Your initial question was like, do you like Evan Mobley? Yes, I love. I really, really like Evan Mobley. Do I think he's going to be Kevin Durant? No, but nobody thinks you know the next Jordan's going to be Jordan. So you just kind of you wait for it. Yeah, you just wait for that. But I, I mean, like, okay, great. He becomes a really good team on a really, or he becomes a really good player on a, just a very terribly average team like what is what does that do you have to build around something there's no there's no direction here there's no vision yeah no vision is one way to put it um one last question for you here uh because i never actually mentioned this to you but uh, ben simmons uh the rumors are swirling and cleveland for a little bit was a team uh would you do a, a colin sexton for ben simmons type package thing or are you uh, are you uh, are you anti ben simmons stay away from that if you're cleveland so i don't like ben simmons and it's not just because he couldn't make a free throw in the playoffs or a shot, and he didn't or, or, any, or anything. <laughs> like I just, it's it's. I think he needs a a spot that he can like nurture his confidence, and because I still think he's that number one player, that, that that number one overall pick that he was drafted as. He needs a place where he can breed his confidence and maybe figure out a technique. I think Marco Fultz has like made himself into something in orlando he's still with orlando right yeah yeah okay so he's made himself into something with orlando i think you have the same scenario the unfortunate part for cleveland is i don't think that's that spot so i think he just continues his tailspin now listen if we think that we have the developmental uh no to to bring him back (laughs) to that number one seed like because what i was seeing was colin sexton and kevin love for ben simmons I don't want Colin Sexton on this team. I don't want Kevin Love on this team. Sure, fine. When when they started talking about roping in that third overall pick or a future first pick, the future first scare, got, the future first is the red flag for me. That's the problem. Right. That's when I got super cagey. So I'm like, you're 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 still a team that needs those draft picks. So do not do not please do that. Um, <laughs> but if it's if it's Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, and like you know three years down the road, first first round pick, I. Sure, why not? I don't think he's going to be anything in Cleveland, but fine. Well, that'll be a, a, an interesting team to watch for sure, and I'll, I'll try to not roast him too hard on some of the NBA offseason pods. But that's all the time we have today. Anthony, uh, haven't had you on this pod in a while. Pleasure to have you on as always, and definitely want to have you on for the NFL episodes, especially once I do some of these week-by-week uh, covering all of those games uh, in the future. So thank you for joining. Absolutely. I'm so excited for the NFL to come back. So excited. <laughs>